This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. So hey everybody, welcome back to the Team Stripes Podcast. This is episode number 15, and on this episode, we're really lucky to have um, a pretty high-level referee uh, with us. His name is Jamie Koharski. And uh, Jamie, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on to the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for reaching out. So Jamie, uh, I guess we could probably give the listeners at home a little bit more of a background on you. I know you've worked in the American Hockey League. You've worked uh, NCAA, Division One. Uh, what other uh, leagues have you worked in? Kind of maybe if you could give a little bit of a, a background on your career, that'd be uh, terrific. Yeah, well, I uh, uh, I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, and kind of started refereeing uh, just youth games when I was there. Started, I think, when I was nine, maybe 10 years old. And I was just going out there and goalie would cover the puck. He'd pick it up and throw it in the corner and play on. And then moved to, uh, we moved to St. Louis, Missouri down in the States when I was 12. So we, uh, I came up to the USA program, worked my way up to the, uh, started in the North American Junior League and the United League as a linesman at 17. Learned pretty quick that I was not a very good linesman and transitioned to refereeing as quick as possible. So I, I came up through their, their development program back then with the USHL and North American League. Worked my way through the coast, East Coast League, the ECHL for uh, three seasons and then transitioned up into the, uh, the American League where I spent 12 years. For those listening at home, obviously uh, you have a, quite a few family connections to refereeing. Was that always kind of a, the path for you uh, growing up? Was was there ever any ever any choice? Uh, honestly, I just for some reason I, I just gravitated towards it. I mean, growing up and, and dad was always very good at whenever we could, we'd go on the road with him and and I just fell in love with, with that side of the business. And plus, I couldn't stick handle or shoot a puck to save my life. So I, I wanted to be in the game. It was going to be going to be on the officiating standpoint, but I just I just fell in love with it the moment uh, the moment I first did it. Couldn't even believe they were paying me to do it. Following up with that, I mean, does that help growing up in a household where you know you have to, you get to see that experience firsthand and learn firsthand to to be able to improve as a referee? Absolutely, it does. I mean, what better what better teacher would you want? driving you to and from every single game and someone that's that's living the life and, and had a real good successful long career that my father had in the national hockey league so it was uh it definitely benefited me it, i think it helped me my last name helped me kind of open some doors at a younger age uh than most guys might have been able to but as i uh as i went along got to the higher levels it also kind of worked as a as a detriment because I mean, they see Koharski on the on the last name, and, and that could kind of be some fodder for for players or coaches. But uh, in regards to learning and development, I uh, couldn't have been any luckier. And you mentioned that you worked twelve years in the American Hockey League, which is quite the impressive career and quite the tenure to have worked uh, at such a high level. And I'm wondering if you could provide to our listeners maybe some of the the highlights for you. I know you've worked uh, at least an All Star game. I know you've also worked an outdoor game. Uh, for the NHL, I mean, 
what are some of the highlights for you looking back on that professional career? Uh, from, from strictly from, from a games perspective, I mean, uh, you hit the nail on the head. My, uh, I did the outdoor game, uh, that coincided with the winter classic. I think it was 2012 in Philadelphia. Uh, our game, I think was a day or two before the NHL's game. And it was, uh, sold out baseball stadium there in Philadelphia. And that was a, that was a real honor, uh, to be selected to work that game. And it actually coincided just uh by happenstance it ended up being my 500th game in the league as well so that made it uh that made it extra special uh the all-star game was uh definitely a highlight because it was one where you could actually go in and, and enjoy it and celebrate it and i had my my wife who was pregnant with our, our daughter at the time was able to fly up and mom and dad were there to so it's kind of neat to to share in that experience with the people that make all sorts of sacrifices uh, on a personal level for me to be able to do what I loved. So that was, uh, that was very, very special. Yeah. And then, uh, probably, uh, I'll, I'll hit you with the last one was, uh, the year, uh, a few months after I retired from the American hockey league, uh, was asked to, to share the ice with dad during the, uh, winter classic in St. Louis. Uh, he and I went and refereed the alumni game with uh with Andy McKelman and Mark Perry, which was an absolute thrill to be on the ice with dad, uh, let alone Brett Hull and Wayne Gretzky and Marty Broder and, and those guys. But then to do it in my quote unquote hometown where I started actually officiating high levels of hockey was, was very special. So I guess in a way it kind of uh it comes full circle for you. Yeah, it was an, it was a it was a great way to, to, to bookend my, my professional on ice career. Yeah. And so, um, obviously, you're no longer working in the American Hockey League now. What uh, what sort of levels are you doing now? And obviously, you are involved with uh, working some some instructional camps as well for referees. I'm wondering if you could maybe provide some uh, some feedback and some insight into how those uh, operate. Yeah, when I, when I retired from uh, working pro hockey, it was just a my my daughter had just been born, and it made getting on the road. And driving to the airport and being gone 20 days a month a lot tougher. So I, I, I transitioned into a career in real estate off the ice and, and to stay on the ice, I, I, I moved into working, uh, about 20 games or so a year in, uh, hockey East, NCAA D1 hockey. And then in the summer times as well, like you mentioned, uh, our family dad's been putting on, uh, officiating development camps for, for years that I've been a part of and, kind of help run the uh, the on-ice portion uh, of our camps. Uh, we have them in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, Chris Pampsis, right outside St. John. And uh, this year we moved, we have one in Truro, and then we had we just finished up our elite camp uh, in Nashville, Tennessee last week, which was a, a great success. So... I wonder if you could maybe talk a little bit about this Nashville camp because obviously I knew a few referees that went down there and they absolutely loved it and they said it was a great experience. I mean, can you describe, you know, how this all came together to, to have a camp in Nashville and, you know, the types of referees you're bringing in and just the types of experiences these referees could expect at your camp? Yeah, well, so the, our Nashville camp was, uh, we branded it and, and, and wanted it to be our, our elite, elite camp. Um, 
we partnered up with uh, a hockey school that a uh, gentleman, Brandon Walker from the national predators puts on every year. And it's a, it's a, it's a hockey school for players that want to go get, uh, get noticed and get recruited, whether it be for junior A level or, or D1, D2, D3 hockey. Um, and they'd always, and basically their camp was, they had a couple practices and they just played games. So we thought it'd be a real good level of hockey to have a, the center of referee school around. Uh, so we wanted, uh, we wanted some higher end, more elite levels of officials. I mean, we had, uh, we capped it at 24. It was, we had a waiting list our first year, which was good, but 24 was the number that worked the best for us. We got, uh, every student was out there, was able to referee four, uh, full three period hockey games, uh, probably at the midget triple A junior level. And it was uh, just constant supervision from the guys. We had uh, uh, instructors were, were myself, uh, Tommy George from USA Hockey. He's worked, uh, he worked at Sochi Olympics and I think four or five Frozen Fours on top of how many games in the American Hockey League. Uh, John McIsaac out your way, uh, NHL referee uh, and NHL linesman Brian Pansich and, and Matt McPherson, who had just worked game five. Uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, was able to be on the ice when the Cup was presented. I think he went home, caught his breath a little bit, and, and came down to Nashville. So could, uh, couldn't have asked for a better staff, couldn't have asked for a better group of guys, especially our first year. And, and I, think the, I think the kids uh, learned quite a bit from it. Yeah, and that's great to hear. I mean, certainly as somebody who went through your camps, I, I certainly appreciate the value and you know uh, the quality of camps that you offer. So that's great to hear, and I'm sure that you guys will have uh, plenty of success with those camps as well down the road. Yeah, and you, and you brought up you you went through our camps in the Maritimes there, and 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 those are those are great for officials of, of all levels. We've had, as you know, we've had guys that work major junior hockey already going and, and participate in those camps, uh, but we also have the grassroots uh, officials have never officiated before, and that's really what uh, what makes those camps special in Hamilton and and, and the Maritimes. Uh, but this, this this Nashville camp was more designed for the the higher level experienced officials trying to get noticed to to get to the next level, whether it be into the uh, ECHL or, or or major junior or the U.S. junior leagues. And and it was uh, uh, I think we had a success. We've got we've got probably three or four real good officials that got noticed for the first time there, and they're going to be moving up the ranks. So that's kind of the difference between the the camps up in Canada and this camp in Nashville. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And um, I wanted to switch topics a little bit here because we've had quite a few listeners that have asked us to, to find, you know, an expert on this topic. But basically, you know, as a referee, especially one that's worked, you know, high level professional in the American Hockey League, you're, you're definitely accustomed to being, you know, on the road a lot and, you know, going from hotel to hotel, you know, airport to airport. And we've had a lot of referees out there that have asked us, you know, to basically get some advice on how to, you know, cope with those long uh, road trips or, you know, life on the road as a referee. So I'm wondering if you could maybe reflect a little bit on, you know, how you kind of coped with life on the road and how, how it was for you. And certainly you kind of touched on it that it took you away from your family a little bit. So I'm wondering if you could maybe just kind of share your thoughts on that. Yeah, that was uh, that was the toughest part of the job. To be perfectly honest, um, 
I mean, getting on the road, the way it was set up in, in the American Hockey League, I mean, uh, I lived I lived a couple of years in Buffalo, New York, for instance, and I was lucky to have a few teams within driving distance where I could I could drive I could drive to Hamilton, Rochester, Syracuse, Binghamton, drive there for the game, drive right back home. But the the times where you're flying, it's uh, it's a grind. I mean, we're as opposed to the guys in the National Hockey League when they when they fly, uh, we spent most of our time traveling behind the wheel on a rental car so the, the the toughest part is is getting getting enough rest eating properly uh knowing where to stay where it's centrally located between your games because you'd fly out somewhere thursday night and you might work three different cities friday saturday sunday and and, and trying to trying to stay at the same hotel so you're not checking out and checking in every day and and getting your proper rest and and finding hotels that have uh, that have gyms, really, because you gotta you gotta stay in shape and maintain your uh, maintain your fitness levels, and that can be that can be hard to do when you're when you're staying at Fairfield's Inn in the middle of Illinois somewhere. Um, but it's a it's a lonely lifestyle. You're 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 on the road by yourself. If you're lucky, the uh, the league has now moved towards the uh, four official two referee system which means that you're traveling with guys a little bit more than we used to, which is always nice to have a, a friendly, familiar face with you. Um, but the, the, that's the hardest part. And for, and for young guys that are just starting to do it, uh, very, very important that you reach out, whether, it's, whether you're traveling for pro hockey or you're traveling working junior games all over, all over the province. Uh, I think the important thing is to, is to reach out. Don't be scared to, to call and kind of follow the, the veteran officials lead on that they can they can really guide you through it and it's before you know it it's just second nature yeah no that's that's good um i guess uh, insight into how it works and you kind of mentioned you know you're behind the wheel of a of a of a rental car i mean when you're traveling you could be on the road for you know three or four hours i mean how do you keep your sanity driving driving in you know in, in, even in you might be driving through snowstorms or something up north i mean how do you keep your sanity going on these long stretches behind the wheel? Uh, hopefully, it, with any luck, you get a you get a rental car that's got satellite radio. That's right. <laughs> and I mean, and the and the and the invention. I don't know how guys did it years ago, but the the cell phones. You spent a lot of time with the get the Bluetooth connected to the car, and spent a lot of time talking to the, talking to the guys, talking to your family back home, friends. Uh, just checking in. That's the uh, the one thing I did notice is that uh, once I once I retired and I wasn't traveling as much, I, I I found myself I wasn't didn't talk to the guys as much as I talked to back in the back in the day when I was on the road. You talk to guys two three times a day just because you're bored, <laughs> looking to pass time, and you've already listened to all the podcasts and and music on your phone on the drive. So it's. Uh, like I said, it was a grind, but I, it's probably the most fun I, I'd ever had in my life for those for those road trips. So, like when you're talking about these trips and you say it, it's a grind, I mean, is it is it just physically grinding from just having to go, you know, maybe a little to no sleep from place to place, you know, from you know airport to airports, uh, or is it more the mental grind of you know being away from home and not being able to settle down? I mean, I'm just trying to get a little bit of an idea into to. Where where that uh, that that grind comes from, I guess. 
Yeah, so it's it's a it's a mixture of both. Um, uh, when I was younger, it was more of a, a physical grind, uh, just because I was I I didn't have the family and my girl my girlfriend at the time now wife her and I did the, the long distance thing. So it was it was more of a physical grind then because you, you you go out and you work the game and then you I don't know about a lot of people, but I always had a hard time sleeping after games so if i wasn't driving i'd I'd go back to the hotel or i'd go have a bite to eat somewhere maybe have a maybe have a couple beers kind of take the edge off and then you're just sitting in your hotel room waiting to do it i'd toss and turn till two three in the morning and get up in the morning and have to have to get on the road that was that was the the physical part of it the physical grind uh but the but the mental part was just as i got older and and being away from family it was all the, the things i was missing out on um, trying to start trying to stay out of your own head. What am I doing in this courtyard Marriott in Rockford, Illinois, when I could be home in Tampa with my family? So that was, that was, that was the tough part, yeah. but you got to be able on a mental side too, is you got to be able, you got to be able to grind through. You might have, you might have sat in the airport for four hours because your flight was delayed or your flight was canceled. And then you had to rent or get a rental car to drive from, I don't know, Chicago to Detroit when you should have been flying uh, and then having to be able to kind of shut your mind off and turn that all off and, and forget about it once that puck's getting ready to drop. Once I got to the arena, no matter how bad the travel was or the snowstorm I just drove through the seven hours in the car, once once I got to the rink, it was almost like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. I was like, oh, okay, good, I'm here. All that other BS that that happened throughout the day or the stuff at home is, is 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 put on the back burner. It's time to time to go to work and have fun. Yeah, and then I, I think that's a great segue because you know I don't think that you know the casual fan would would notice that you know for players maybe they they you know if they're going from rink to rink as a team. I'm thinking maybe in, in the pro ranks, you know they're not having to worry about driving driving a car or anything. That you know the team's taking care of that. But as a referee, really, you're kind of you know, you have to wear many hats, I guess, going from town to town. Yeah, you're part, you're, you're, you're part travel agent. You got to book your own flights, your own hotels. Uh, where's a good spot to eat? I mean, we got to remember, we don't have any home games. Right. We don't have, we got everything's everything's all on our own, and we're pretty much kind of like independent contractors. And what, and what amazes me with what the guys do at the NHL level is the fact that they're in an airport more than their home. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, it might sound glamorous to people that haven't traveled or don't travel very often, but that gets old real, real fast. And, and you'd almost rather be behind the wheel of the car driving. But I mean, those guys can work Friday night in Dallas and then Saturday night in Anaheim. I mean, that's, those are two cities pretty far away from each other. And that's what, like you said, the, the casual fan doesn't recognize the, the grind that these guys do and to be able to, to do all that just to get there and then go perform at the level they perform at on a nightly basis is just mind boggling. And so I guess I had two questions to kind of follow that up. Uh, first one, I mean, you talk about when you got to the rink, you were able to kind of switch that switch and, and focus mentally. I mean, do you have any sort of advice for, you know, things that you use to sort of get in, get into that mode to referee? And second question is, 
you know, I'm sure there's a lot of referees out there that are kind of going through that, you know, junior C, junior B grind right now where they have to drive a couple hours to the middle of nowhere to referee. I mean, do you have any advice for them as, as they pursue this career? Uh, well, the one thing I always like to do is to, to be able to shut all that stuff off when I get to the rink and get ready to go to work. Or just I like to stick to my same routine. Uh, once I was at the rink, I could control my routine. I didn't like to have a, a routine during the day because of the travel and everything. There's so many unknowns that could that could happen, and I wouldn't want something weird to throw me off. But once I got to the rink, I knew, okay, warm-ups for the teams are starting in 10 minutes. So that means I finish my coffee, time to go stretch, warm up. By the time warm-ups are done, get dressed. I just like to stay and do the same thing just to get mentally prepared for the game. And And I know it's uh, I don't want to sound like I was I'm, I'm being whiny or, or woe is me because of the travel. Because there's what we had to do sometimes easier traveling on the road than a, someone working a junior B game uh, in Burford, Ontario, and after working a nine-hour shift and, and their real job. So, so that could be that could be the grind. That could be the difficult part working for, for doing working that level of hockey. But I would just recommend that once you're in the rink, just sit down and, and, and enjoy enjoy being there and then get into your mindset, whatever routine it is, whether it's having a coffee or, or reading a paper out in the stands or looking at game notes or stretching, running, whatever you do, just get in that mode, get to the rink, do it, and then when the time the puck drops, you're, you're ready to go and all that other BS is behind you. Um, and you sort of touched on it, but I'm wondering if you might be able to provide some thoughts. We've had a few referees that they say the travel's tough, but a lot of these guys that, that, you know, are listening to us, you know, they live in these remote towns and, you know, they might not live in a big city like Toronto or, you know, New York or Boston that, you know, there's teams that are centered around there and they have to sort of, it's, it's a huge burden on them to travel, especially like you say, if they have a nine to five job or something, I mean, do you have sort of any general advice for them, you know, in terms of like the level of commitment that's needed in terms of the sacrifices in terms of, you know, kind of seeing that through for those types of uh, individuals? I would say if you're going to work one day and you know, you got a, a, a three, four hour drive, whatever it is, go to go work, whatever, whatever game it is that you're working out of town, just wake up. That's a good day. Any day you get to go to the rink and be on the ice and get paid to do it is a good day. Now, well, it might be a, a pain in the ass getting there. Yeah, more often times it will be. But just keeping in mind that there's lots of people probably that would, that would love to be doing the level of hockey that you're doing that night. Whether it's a midget team, there's probably a, a, a peewee referee that wants to be out there and is going to be a sub-referee too. A junior B game, there's some, some youth officials that would, would gladly trade, trade spots with you to work that level of hockey with you. If you keep everything in perspective and keep that in mind, uh, it, it definitely makes it a, a whole lot easier. Now, as, a, as, as far as uh, traveling from work or whatever, uh, control what you control. If you if you know the weather could be bad, maybe you can leave a little earlier. If you know uh, you're not going to have time to eat on your drive down, you know what? Maybe you sneak out and have a, have a bigger lunch so that if, if, if things do go haywire, you're able to still still roll into the rink and, and, and go and work and you're not worried about being hungry or, but just control what you control, get everything you need to get done at work and with your family, uh, husband, wives, kids, whatever. Just have that, 
all set and, and so you have nothing to worry about except that 60 minute hockey game once you get there and um to kind of uh, i guess uh you know transition a little to a more of a positive note because i think a lot of the times we talk about travel there's sort of the negative aspect of that but i mean for your career and are you still i'm assuming travel of a little bit for ncaa i mean is there positive memories that you have of kind of being on the road? I mean, especially working in the American League, there might be some smaller markets where, you know, you get to see the same guys uh, to work with uh, for years. I mean, what are sort of, sort of the, the positive memories that you can take away from that? Oh, I mean, there's, there's too many to count, whether it's it's working with the, the, the linesmen that were local to that area, uh, seeing them and developing a relationship with them, uh, just meeting meeting and seeing the same off-ice guys in every city and how happy they were, whether it's the timekeeper or the Zamboni driver or whoever. It was, uh, it was always good to see familiar faces and friendly faces that were, that were happy to see. And I've developed long-lasting, lifelong friendships with a lot of these, a lot of these people that are, uh, weren't necessarily involved in, in the officiating side of it, but, uh, just being the, the whether, it's, whether it's the rink rat or the off ice guy and just having those guys. And that was a real key thing that, that I learned from, from my dad watching him travel was the relationships he developed with everybody and how happy everyone was to, to see him when he walked into a rink. That's kind of something I wanted to, to mold myself after. And it just made being away from home a lot, a lot easier. I mean, there's, there's 30, there's 30 teams in the American Hockey League when I retired. I think there's 31 now. Uh, but I know there's, that's 30 cities in America I can go to and I'll have someone to be, have me over for a bite tea or pick me up at the airport or just go meet for a drink somewhere. So it's, it's, it's kind of neat to have that, uh, broad spectrum, broad area of, of, of friendly faces. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that, uh, I mean, I, I'm somewhat still new to the world of officiating, uh, haven't been doing it for, I think six or seven years, but that's one thing I picked up right away. It's. It's amazing how tight the uh, the fraternity is and how tight the relationships are that you can you can build in refereeing and you know I don't know if it's because you kind of you go through the same sort of uh, you know <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word shit together or you know whatever it is but it's it's amazing how tight that that bond can really be between referees. And you know what I was talking about this with somebody the other day, uh, uh, former player actually those that are that came to our camp. We just retired from playing in the East coast in the ECHL. Um, and, and he was just amazed at, at the bond that us as officials have. I mean, he had 24 guys that came together at our camp in Nashville and they're all there for the same goal and the same purpose. And they're all essentially, when you think about it, they're all competing for the same 60 jobs in the world. There's only 60 jobs or so to get to the NHL and we're all competing and working to get there. But there's that mutual respect and that camaraderie and that that team feel that we have that we that we root for each other or we should be rooting for each other to succeed. Um, I think that's very very unique uh, to our game and not only between officials from all over the world, but I think I think the players uh, as you as you as you come up the ladder uh, have a lot of respect for us and we're all part of the same fraternity. Because uh, they have to battle and grind coming up to play, no different than we're battling and grinding to, to climb the ladder as officials. And I think there's a, a respect and a camaraderie there that you don't see in other sports between players and officials. Um, 
Now, you might not feel that during a 60-minute hockey game. That might all go out the window. Uh, but for the most part, when you when you run into a guy at the golf course in the summertime or out uh, out at a restaurant or a local watering hole after a game, I think that respect is there. And that's, that's very unique to hockey, I believe. Yeah, and uh, no, I think that's... Uh... That's that's great feedback and insight, and uh, I, I want to appreciate. I want to thank you for, I guess, coming onto our podcast and sharing your experience and sharing your thoughts. And um, you know, we usually end these by by asking if you have any sort of advice to aspiring referees out there. So I'm wondering if you might be, be able to share um, a little bit of uh, words of wisdom, I guess. Um, best thing I can say right now that you probably had that instead of repeating all the cliches that you probably hear over and over again is just go out there and, and work every work every game like it's like it's the most important game to you because to someone in that game it is whether it's a 8 a.m. peewee game or a seven o'clock Saturday night junior game with a full barn go out there and, and treat the game with the with the respect and the attitude that you would want to treat if you were playing uh, and, and other than that just have a lot of fun I mean like I said there's only there's only so many jobs at the at the pinnacle of, of hockey uh, that a lot of really, really good officials aren't going to be able to make. Uh, so just go out there and enjoy every second of it. Because uh, one of these days you'll, you'll look back and you'll, you'll miss those, you'll, you'll miss those days where the flights are delayed and you're scrambling, driving through snow uh, to get to that, to get to that game. So just soak it all in and, and, and work as hard in as many games as you can. No, thank you again uh, for for your time, and uh, we uh, I guess wish you best of luck uh, in your ongoing uh, camps and uh, on the ice as well. Yeah, Brandon, thank you so much. And if uh, I'll, I'll I'll throw a selfish plug out there, I already plugged the camps. But if you if anyone's looking for real estate down in Tampa, you know where to find <laughs> the best realtor down here. <laughs> Love it. I don't know how many real estate junkies we have, or how many listeners we have down in Tampa, but. Uh, <laughs> If they're listening, I'm sure they're going to love to find you. It's worth a shot, right? (laughs) Thanks again.